Thank you, Pastor Val, for that word this morning. Amen. I don't know why we exist. We exist that God be magnified throughout the earth by equipping you for abundant living through worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and ministry. Amen. Now, these are the things that govern the uh, Berean church here. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and ministry. These are the things that make us the church in whom we are, that God will be magnified in our lives, but also in the lives of other people. Problem is, some people's God is too small. God has called the Berean church to magnify him, to show people that God is a big God, that God is bigger than problems, that God is bigger than depression, that God is bigger than your bills, bigger than your broken relationships, that God is bigger. And what a wonderful call and what a wonderful vision he's given us to help him to be magnified throughout the earth. Not that he's not big already. He just needs human beings to magnify him, to let other human beings know, baby, ain't nothing too hard for God. And somebody needs to know that this morning. Somebody's going through something this morning, and you need to know, ain't nothing too hard for God. Amen? So give God some praise for having vision. We a church with vision. We have themed this year's Transformation 2014. And this year, we will be looking for a change, and that change will be from the inside out. I don't know about you. I tried a lot of change that was surface change, right? But at the end of the day, I was still the same. A new shirt couldn't change me. A new car couldn't change me. A new house couldn't change me. A new stack couldn't change me. It preserved me for a little while, right? But it couldn't change me. Amen. So this year, we're looking for a, for a change that takes place from the inside out. And we use the picture of the caterpillar and the butterfly here because it, we learned in, in, in biology that this was called metamorphosis, which means that it was a slow and steady change, a, a, a process. The reason a lot of us aren't what we ought to be right now is because we're bored at the process. We, we, wouldn't let, we wouldn't let God work his work in us. I'm here to tell you, faith is not magic. We think we can say a little abracadabra uh, in Jesus' name and think things are going to change overnight. But they don't change that way. It's a slow, steady change. And in that slow and steady change, we, be learn, we began to learn more about ourselves and more about God also. Amen? If God were a hocus pocus you and you changed overnight... Right, you would have missed some things about yourself and God. Sometimes God allows us to go through periods of loneliness to allow us to see Him as a company keeper. But if He'd have changed it overnight, changed it overnight, you wouldn't have been able to see God as a company keeper. Amen. Mm. God let things go a little crazy sometimes to help you understand He's a mind regulator. That's what all the saints used to say. He's a mind regulator. And I didn't realize what they were saying until I like to lost my mind. And then I began to listen to what mom and them said, said he'll regulate your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't want to preach yet. I got some things I want to say. Amen. Amen. So, um, uh, I think I got that maybe on there twice. This is my favorite scripture. I know a lot of you know it. And if you don't know it, when I began to read it, y'all, y'all know this is one of his favorite ones. He has to preach it at least two times a year. Just, amen. We have to do it. Amen. This is Mark 10, verse 46 through 52. Amen. And I mean, you know, it's a remix, so 
don't know about y'all. Sometimes when I'm down low music, and I like listening to a whole lot of music, a lot of times I want to hear the remix. All right, all right. I want to see what else somebody else added. Y'all know what I'm saying. Amen. Because sometimes the remix be better than the original. Y'all ever? This is a remix. Amen. Now, they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and the great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Somebody say blind. blind. Somebody say begging. begging. Blind is his condition. Amen. Begging is his situation. Amen. Somebody say blind, blind. is his condition. condition. Begging is his situation. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He called it you. And throwing aside his garment, somebody say his garment. He rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, or master, or teacher, that I might have my sight, or receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Amen. So I want to talk about transformation from this aspect today, from this aspect. Your desire to change must be greater than your desire to stay the same if you want to be transformed. And see, the reason a lot of us are not transformed is because our desire to change, right, is not greater than our desire to stay the same. Rhetorical question. We don't need a show of hands. If you want to, you can't. But how many people are frustrated right now? Kind of frustrated. frustrated. I believe God uses frustration to bring about change, to bring about being dissatisfied. Because I know something about human beings, because I'm human myself. We'll never change until we're dissatisfied with our presence situation. So God uses frustration. If you're frustrated about anything right now, perhaps God is trying to use that frustration that you're going through to change you. Because, because look, look, if you never get dissatisfied with it, you're not going to change. Have I got a witness at all? Right? If you never get frustrated with a situation, if you never get dissatisfied with a situation, you just stay the same. Because you're happy with it. But God allows frustration to set in. Somebody ain't, you're not where you think you ought to be in life right now. And you're frustrated about it. You, you, you're not using your full potential. And you're frustrated about it. And I believe that's the will of God to frustrate you. Because see, God made us to be fruitful and to multiply. And if you're not being fruitful and multiplying, then you should be frustrated. Are y'all listening to me at all? So I thought that we'd just kind of look at Bartimaeus this morning uh, because in actuality his desire to change was greater than his desire to stay the same. And I believe if we can look at what he did to help get his desire to change up from, then it will help us in our change also. Are y'all listening to me? Right? So the first thing we got to do if we're going to get our desire 
to change, to be greater than our desire to stay the same, we've got to resolve and take ownership of the situation. Yeah. The blame game is not going to get you anywhere. Are y'all listening to me? So the first thing I see that Bartimaeus did is he takes ownership of the situation. Verse 47 says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. He took control of the situation. It was his situation. If you're blaming somebody for where you are in life right now, you'll stay right where you are. But when you began to say, look, they might have brought me to the party, but I'm here now. It's my situation. Are y'all listening to me? She made a lie on me to get me here, right? But it's my situation. I'm here now. Are y'all listening to me? Because we like to blame people. Oh, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I'd be, I'd be them blew up by now. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You still be small-headed just like you are now. Because you're not taking control of the situation. A lot of people are looking at situations and saying, Oh man, if she would love me more, if he'd have loved me, and she wouldn't have ran out on me. Right? No. It's yours now. Right? It's your divorce now. They're your bad children. See, I, I got to take, I got to resolve the ownership of this thing, right? They fired me. Huh? The company's still making money. It's me without a job. Now, you can run around and tell everybody, Lord, they didn't have to fire me like that. They did me wrong. But I tell you what, it's going to be you that ain't getting a paycheck. You can sit around if you want to. Talk about how they did you. You'll be butt naked and hungry in a little way. I don't listen to that stuff no more. They did me wrong. I usually know it's something they did. I mean, when we weren't keeping it 100 with folk, you know, we were I can't believe they did you like that. In the back of your mind, you said, I know they were late about five times. Can't show up on time for nothing. They should have fired them. But they fired them. And now when they start saying they fired them, they're not taking ownership of their lateness. So they'll, they'll get another job and get fired for the same thing. People just don't like me. No, you ain't right. Uh, you, you ever met anybody who nobody liked them? Right? It ain't the folk, it's them. They took ownership of their situation. Every time that Jesus worked a miracle, or many times that he worked a miracle, right, the people, they took ownership of their situation. How many people need a miracle? Anybody need God to work something in your life? You got to take ownership of the situation, right? There was a nobleman, and he said unto Jesus, he said, Sir, come down early. I looked at that word early, or ear, and it means early. He said, I need you to come early, right? My child die. Child's about to die. He takes control of the situation. He says, my child. He takes control of it. He didn't blame anybody. He says, it's my child, and I need you to help me. Look. Simon answering and said unto him, this is Luke 5, verses, uh, I'm going to do verse 5. Uh, and, and Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. He accepted the fact that he worked all night and hadn't taken anything. And then Jesus, he, taken, he says, nevertheless, though, at thy word, I'll let the net down. But now, if Simon Peter would have never taken ownership of the situation, he could not receive the command from Jesus to let the net down. 
he takes ownership of the situation. Why is it so important that we take ownership of the situation, right? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Can I talk for a minute? Nothing becomes a care until I take ownership of it. Well, y'all listen to me. See, when I began to care about something, it's showing that I've taken ownership of the situation. Now, when I take ownership of the situation, I care about it. Now, it qualifies it to be cast to Jesus, a cast to God. But if I don't care about it, I don't own it, and anything I own, I can't give. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. I have to take ownership of whatever situation I am in in life in order to give it to Jesus, because if I don't own it, I can't give it. I ain't claim that, claim it. Just don't keep it. Huh? Yeah, you have to own something. I'm dead and low down, God. Come on, somebody. I'm taking ownership. It ain't what they're saying. It's what I know about myself. I've been trifling. See, I'm taking ownership when I began to say, this is who I am, God, and I care about me. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to cast my cares on you because I can't do nothing by myself. I tried to change. See, a lot of times you try to change by yourself, it ain't going to work. You'll fool a few people for a little while, right? You might even fool yourself, right, until you get into your old environment. Anybody ever thought they changed and messed around and got in the old environment? I don't have to use no examples, do I? You thought you better that day. So you got down in the gutter and you realized you the same thing. That's that self-change when I try to change myself. right? So if I'm going to change, I've got to be like blind Bartimaeus and I've got to resolve to take ownership of the situation. And then, right, if I'm going to change, I've got to resist the influence of public opinion because when he was trying to get his change work, the people want him to be quiet. So I got to resolve to take ownership of my situation. But then what I got to do is I got to resist the influence of public opinion because most people are going to say, you ain't going to change. I've been knowing you for a long time. That's just the way you are. It is what it is, dog. You ain't going to change. And you have to resist the influence of public opinion. You really have to because a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about, Corey. A lot of times we just talking just to be talking for real. And a lot of people that are giving you advice, they're in the same boat you're in. Huh? And we both in Atlanta and both of us lost. What am I asking you how we get out of here? We're in the same boat together, right? If I'm cheating and lying and stealing, how am I going to ask you how can we? Huh? They said the blind lead, the blind, both of them are falling in the ditch. That's word. Psalms 146.3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no hope. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to change, you can't trust us. Because we like you one day. Mm-hmm. But the next day, we might not like you. Right. Especially if we can start seeing a change in you. Mm-hmm. And we know we need to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. Your friends will come hate us real quick. Anybody ever had any friend like that? You start blowing up a little bit? Oh, yeah. 
Come on, somebody. Got a few things, right? And they were down with you. But when you start getting some things, like the old folks said, they got two-faced on you. Act like they didn't know you. Huh? Well, they know good well. Both of you came from coal line. Both of us came from that little place right down the street right there. I just happened to apply myself, right? I just sat and drank with you all night that night. I came home a few more times more than you did. You know why I'm blowing up, and you can do the same thing too, but you're determined to hate. And so you can't trust people like that that will turn their back on you when, you, when God began to elevate you when God begins to pick you up, and then they begin to turn their back. And so, look, when you're trying to change, you've got to resist the influence of public opinion because some folks don't want to see you do good. Because when you do good, it makes them look bad. Because a lot of them had the same resources as you had. But they didn't use them. So they definitely ain't going to say, well, that's a good job. And if they do, they're going to want to go tell somebody else. But I remember when they used to do so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Somebody say relentless. I got to be relentless in my pursuit, right? Right. I, I, I can't really be influenced, allow myself to be influenced by public opinion. I got to resolve to take ownership of my situation, and then I got to be relentless. Somebody say relentless. Relentless, I looked that word up, and it said it means to be grim in your determination. Anybody ever, anybody ever uh, heard someone say, uh, oh, the situation looked grim? It's, it's a grim situation. Uh, ugly, unattractive, unlikely situation. And see, when you want to change, and we want your desire to change to be greater than your desire to stay the same, you got to be grim in your determination. Right. What do you mean by that? No matter what it looked like, I still got to keep trying. I don't care how many times I get told no. Come on, somebody, right? And some of you men know. I'm just going to say it. I feel it in me. Y'all have, a lot of you ain't recognized no in a long time, no how. All right. Okay. You don't know what no mean. <laughs> Relentless. Means you got to have grim determination, no matter what it looks like. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my course of action. I'm going to let my determination dictate what I do in this situation. Are y'all listening to me? Right. So, uh, but he cried out the more. He was relentless. They told him to be quiet. He cried out the more, right? Because, see, his desire to change was greater than his desire. This is the remix. His desire to change was greater than his desire to stay the same. So when the folks said shut up, he got louder. There's some people that's telling you to shut up. Right? You need to be relentless, grim in your determination. Right? You need to cry out even the more. And you know how to do that too. Especially if you grew up along Magnolia, like I did. Right? Hmm. I just need somebody to tell me, no, that I knew I was going to do it. Just because somebody told me I couldn't do it. Man, I'm going to break my neck to get it done. It's just something in the wall. I guess in the Hugley water system here. And so, all things you had to do, if you wanted to jump ahead and show them to do something, just tell them he couldn't do it. I learned how to be relentless before I got saved. All right. I learned how to be relentless on Magnolia. All right. 
if my desire to change is going to be bigger than my desire or greater than my desire to stay the same, I got to remember the favor of God's effect on the public. I'm going to talk to you right here now. Let me read the scripture. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man. I got a problem right here. It says, then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. <laughs> These same jokers just said, be quiet. <laughs> what changed the way they talked to him? It was because Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Somebody still ain't getting it. It was the presence of Jesus that caused the crowd to treat Bartimaeus different. So when I'm trying to change and folk running their mouth, when people soon began to see the presence of God in your life, the same folk that told you to shut up, be like, you know, you know God gonna bless you. You always been a good Christian in the house. You've been a good boy. Your mama didn't have to whoop you much. That's what the favor of God does. What it does, it changes the naysayers, right, to be supporters. And no tricks up my sleeve. Y'all see what has the same crowd. Same crowd. Shut up. Now they're saying, be of good cheer. He called you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go get your blessing, boy. So that's why you can't let public opinion influence you because it changes. And it'll definitely change when you have the favor of God on your life. I want to show you something. Acts 5, 38 through 39. The guy speaking here is a guy called Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was like a teacher of all of the Pharisees. He would be the great teacher. And there was this council at a place, well, it was, it was called a Sanhedrin council. It was just a big group of very important Pharisees. The Pharisees were the people right there administered the law to the Jewish people. So Peter and his little group starts talking about Jesus, which is really in direct contrast to what the Pharisees were saying. And so they brought the report to Gamaliel, the one, the smart one that knows everything. And this is how he replies to what they had to say. He said, we should keep away from these men for now. We should leave them alone. I can guarantee you that if the plan they put into action is of human origin, it will fail. However, if it's from God, you won't be able to stop them. You may even discover that you're fighting against God. Pastor Carter, what are you trying to tell us here? I'm trying to tell you this, right? If the change in your life is something that God is trying to do in your life, then can't no devil in hell or joker on earth stop it from taking place. Listen, 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 listen. I used to hear people saying, some of just trying to put salt in my game. Y'all remember that? Right? And all enough, when I became a preacher, I used to hear some preachers say that. They didn't want me to have that church. They went over there and lied on me. They're trying to put salt my game, right? And I started learning. I started getting mad because God was complaining because they didn't get the church they wanted. 
I ain't up telling them. If it's of God, ain't nothing they can do to stop it. So you need to go to sleep at night, quit running around here telling everybody who don't want you to get what, and how so-and-so went over there and talked about you, brought up your past on you, right? Because I'm like Gamaliel. If it's of God, you can't stop it. They can't stop it. Because God has a way of protecting and favoring those people who he wants to get something done in the earth realm, and on earth. He has a way of doing it. And yeah, you could have did what they said you did. But if God called you to do a certain thing, it won't affect. Y'all ain't listening to me. Because a lot of people, what you start doing is, especially the public, bring up something in your past that's true. Now, they lie. It's okay. But if they tell the truth, like, you got a point there, I might not. But even if it is true, if God has something for you to do, right, it cannot and they will not stop you from getting it done. Are y'all listening? I'm about, I'm, about, I'm about ready to go. Okay. Then I got to release self from my personal hindrances. Because a lot of us who are stopping our chain, it ain't Nene and Ray Ray and Boo Boo now. It's us. We're stopping ourselves. We're blaming them. But we're really stopping ourselves. So this scripture is going to take a, just a little bit of explaining. Y'all got a minute? Okay. It says, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Explanation. Back then in those days, they, wrote, they wore garments or, or outer coats really to designate, signify who they were. Blind men or people that were handicapped wore certain things, right, that designated them as being blind or handicapped. Y'all getting the picture here. So the thing that he was designated to be, the first thing he did when Jesus called him was he threw that aside. So you can throw away your whole clothes. You can throw away your pimp well. Y'all ain't listening to me. Right? When Jesus calls, you can throw all that stuff away so it don't trip you up in coming to him. So what I have to do is I have to release myself from what I used to be. I have to release myself from what they used to call me. I have to release myself from the garments that I am wearing that designate me to be what the world thinks I am. So the first thing he does is, right, is when Jesus, when he gets Jesus' attention is, he takes care of what was holding him back, which was himself. And a lot of us, what's holding us back is ourselves. So, I'm going to speak a little Magnolia ease right now, I would say. He helped himself. Yeah, he helped Himself. You start talking about get back, move. Say nothing to him. He had his own stuff. Right? The scripture don't say that. Look, I, you just got pause. Let me sit now. He said, look, I got a little something that might be stopping me from getting to God, and I'm going to take care of this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull it off. It's what I'm going to do. So here it is. Here's the word. Hebrews 12.1, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Not, not, 
seems to me that wait and sin are not the same thing. Because if they would have been, they just would have used one word. Amen. But they're equally important because they use the conjunction and to link them together. Conjunction, conjunction. Okay. So the linking. We got some school rock people. So linking them two together, we mean they're both equally important. Every weight, let us lay aside every weight. Now, a weight ain't a sin. A weight might be, I'm watching scandal. I know more by scandal than I do the Bible. Not so much a sin, but it's a weight. Anybody know weights hold you back? Right. When I, I'm going to use Pastor Fav just say, when I know more about Mary Jane Amen. Okay. than I do the Virgin Mary, okay. All right. <laughs> it ain't a sin to watch Mary Jane, but it can get the weight. Are y'all listening to me? Right. When I know every word, I'm, I'm getting old now, so y'all have to watch, to Lil Boosie's song. But I need a table of contents to find Genesis in the Bible. It's not. A sin, but it's a weight. So some weights, they ain't really sins, but they're weights. And all of us know, right, if we go run, which the scripture says, let us run. This race is a run. Your change is a run. Right? And the lighter you are, the better you can run. So you've got to lay aside some weights. Not only do we have to lay aside weights, but we have some sins that easily beset us. Y'all know. Some stuff, I'm getting like the old phone. I'm liable to do. Y'all remember the old, old young You liable to do? <laughs> Which means there's some, some stuff that I'm more attracted to than other stuff, and that's the sin that so easily beset me. Oh, y'all listen to me. Right? You might not never, uh, you know, <laughs> some of us ain't got a problem with crack, but we got a problem with crack. The sin that so easily we set up. I'm trying to go before y'all find me. Two strikes. I ain't going to, I ain't going to, that's my last swing. When, when, when I'm, I'm trying to work this change in my life, when I want my uh, desire to change, to be greater than my desire to stay the same, I got to request to God the change that I desire. Amen. After all, if he owns everything Amen. and he knows everything, Amen. I'm going to stop for a minute and talk right there. So I'm be like, you shouldn't question God. Why not? He said he know everything. Uh, all right. You're right. And seems like he'd be the right person to question. Are y'all listening to me? You shouldn't question God. <laughs> if I want Lord, why my life jacked up? I need to ask God. Why so-and-so had to die? I need to ask God. Because he knows it all. 
And so if I'm going to change right, what I need to do is I need to make my request known to God. And so what happens is, so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for who? What do you, you want me to do for? That's all right to pray for everybody else. But however there come a time, you got to pray for yourself, man. Ain't nothing selfish. Ain't nothing selfish with praying for yourself. Because you might have Pastor Carl to pray for you, right? And I might eat a big meal, go to sleep, and not remember you asked me to pray for you until I see you the next time. Because I'm, I'm human. So that's the time you got to bend your rusty knee and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, not my dad, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in got to pray for yourself sometimes, right? Especially if you're seeking change, because the only somebody that can pray a sincere prayer about you changing is you, because you know it all. We know what you present, but you know it all. Here's the word. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Here's the part that I didn't see until I was studying this later. When he don't answer you right away, if you let your request be made known to God, right, it says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep my heart or my mind. When I'm waiting on my answer, that'll help somebody right now. While I'm waiting on God to answer me, right, he'll give me peace. That surpasses all understanding to keep my mind. Because, see, there have been some times I like to lost my mind waiting on God to give me an answer. But he says, if you let every request be made known unto me, I'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And I don't know about you. I've been cool about some stuff. I ain't know why I was cool about it. But now I know why I was cool about it. There was some things going on in my life. And I should have been making some appointments. I should have been trying to get some medication for it. But for some reason, I'm like, it's, it's, it's going to be all right. It was, it was an indictment. But I said, it's going to be all right. I had some charges. But I walked around because he was giving me, I prayed about that thing. And when I should have been crying, trying to explain myself to everybody I saw. It wasn't that I didn't know the outcome, but he's just giving me some peace about that. And I know he said, he's front, he's front. No, he's just giving me peace. That's the past all. I didn't understand why I had peace. By the way, they dropped all the charges, okay? But I had lost my mind, man. So I began to give it to him. He started giving me some peace. I want to call the lawyers every day. What y'all doing? I lose my life down here. But it was a peace that surpassed all my understanding, man. I didn't know how I should be peaceful about that, but it was the peace that he, I didn't, 
This is past my understanding. Thank you, Lord. Go on, pre- you can preach anyway. When you get peace, that's a past your understanding. You can raise your family anyway. When it gives you peace, that's a past your understanding. You can love your wife anyway. When it begins to give you peace, that past your understanding. Since we're here, since we're here, I won't do all that too long. But since we're here, I was peeled because my life had been placed on hold for five and a half years, and we stood in front of a judge for twenty minutes, and they dropped the charges. Five and a half years in twenty minutes. like one neck, Calanda. My lawyer had said what he had to say. DA said what they had to say. They went back and forth. The judge said, well, what says you, DA? Mm. He's like, ah, ah, ah. He's like, drop. <laughs> but listen, but listen. I was pissed. How my life going to be on hold for five and a half years and in 20 minutes wow. I get exonerated? Yeah. And I was mad about it. But God said, if it wouldn't have been five and a half years, you wouldn't have known. That nursing really didn't take care of you. You wouldn't have known. If you can buy a couple of houses, I wouldn't have known that. Huh? I wouldn't have known that bills still getting paid. I wouldn't have known that we could still eat. I wouldn't have known, Mama, that he's a battle axe in a time of a battle and a shelter in time of a storm. See, then you can do words to me. I used to wonder why they hollered when the preacher was saying he's a battle axe. Be still, be still. God will fight your battle. I'll be counting I'll be counting the ceiling tile when they were singing songs like that. But when God deliver you out of something, you'll get to sing it yourself. He is a battle act. All you gotta do is be still, be still, and he will fight your battle. But see, you have to be battle tested. You can't be talking about faith and not go through a few things. Now I was a faith man and God will do this and God will do that. Boom, your name show up in the paper. Will he still do it? Just since we were there. You want to hear me talk about it much more than that because it's it's over now. You just happened to come on this Sunday where I got it out. 
So how do I receive my request? I receive the request by faith. Amen. May not look like he gonna answer, but you gotta understand that Bartimaeus received his sight before he received his sight. Y'all understand what I'm saying here? Because Bartimaeus got up and walked before he could see, which means he received his sight before he received his sight. He received his sight by faith before it manifested itself in the present. And, and you're going to have to receive some things, Trez, by faith. Right? You may not see it, but if God said it, you can believe it. A lot of folks say seeing is believing. But not in the scripture, believing is believing. And some things God has promised you and you can't see it right now. But if he made you the promise, you can believe it. Receive it by faith first. Amen. You won't receive it mm, in the earthly realm, or you won't receive it on the ground until you receive it in your head. Amen. And when I receive it in my head, it causes my feet to act like what my head... You see, you, you see when God's trying to give us stuff, we got to act like... Med like is on the way. Are y'all listening to me? When God promised you something, you can act like it's on the way. Y'all know about the ice cream truck. He wasn't on your block, but you could hear him. And because you could hear him, you ran into the house and asked, Mama, can I get some money? You didn't see nothing, but you heard something. And because of what you heard, right, it changed your course of action. So what I'm saying is the Word of God will tell you to hear some things when you can't see it. But if you hear it, you'll start acting on it. And if you act on it, right, you'll start seeing it. I ran in the house. I said, I hear the truck, Mama. Can I get 50 cents? Right? By the time she dug around in the pocketbook. And I ran out the front door. I liked the misty. But he looked in his rearview mirror. I thought he was going to pass me by. But I saw the brake lights. And I'm here to tell you, if you're wrong, chase God long enough. He'll allow you to see the brake light. Now, brake lights don't come on unless he stepped on the brake. And what happened with Brian brought a mask here, because of all of his crying out, Jesus put the brakes on. He says, go get him. He called me. Now I can see Bartimaeus not seeing the brake lights. And putting on brakes, I can, I can, I can. He's stopping for me. Faith helps us to receive from God that you be not sluggish, but imitators of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. The people that receive the things of God, they receive them by faith. And you're gonna have to do it that way too. Last point. Change is a process doesn't take place overnight. And you never really just arrive because once he changes one thing in your life, you'll be able to see other things Amen. that need to change Amen. also. So literally what he does is he changes us and he gives us a plan of change so that we can use it, Angie, for the rest of our lives. Right. It's, a, it's, it's a paradigm, it's a plan. Whenever God works a change in your life, he's setting you up for a bigger change. 
And since he set me up for a bigger change, what I need to do is I need to remain with him. Because after all, he's the one that worked a change in my life. So there's somebody here right now that God is trying to work a change in your life. Right? Or has worked a change in your life. And the devil is saying, you need to leave now because, you, you, you know, you're already done arrived. Because God done did that already. So you can go ahead and leave that God stuff alone now. Because mm. the charge is gone. Case has been dismissed. You ain't got to be caught up with that God stuff because you're free now. <laughs> He'll whisper to you and tell you, ain't no need in all that now. You're free. Ain't no need of you mm, paying tithes. Ain't no need of you going to church now. Because you done changed now. Right? But I'm here to tell you this right here. If you're ever leaving. Right? Now, things will go back the way they used to be. Not because he doesn't love you, but because you left him. Oh, y'all listen to me. Have I got anybody here that ever left him? And all hell will break loose in your life? Right? And even God worked the leaving into a lesson. Right? Because uh, in your leaving, you learn a lesson that it's good to remain with him. Amen? Somebody give God some praise in this house. The objective this day was to help your desire to change, to become greater than your desire to stay the same. Amen. And that's exactly what Bartimaeus did. His desire to change was greater than his desire to stay the same. He started off a beggar. He ended up uh, walking with Jesus. He started off a blind man. He ended up with sight. So what are you saying, Pastor Carter? I'm saying this. If I give my situation to Jesus, he'll change my condition. That's the real gist of the thing right there. If I give my situation to Jesus, he'll change my condition. Right? He didn't, he, did you notice when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? Right? He didn't say a piece of bread. He could have because he was a beggar. But what he does is, right, he goes to the condition. He's the blindness is the real problem. Because if I wasn't blind, then I wouldn't be begging. So what he does is, right, he gives mm -hmm, his condition to Jesus, and then Jesus changes the situation. Are y'all listening to me? So what I'm saying is you handle what you can handle. And God will do what he'll do. I want you to ready yourselves for uh, communion right now, and uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Valerie and Minister McQueen to come and help me with communion. Um, communion is a very, very important time. We do it once a month. We do it on the first Sunday of the month. But this cup and this bread that's getting ready to be passed out right now, it represents the blood and the body of Jesus. It represents the very thing that we're going to be celebrating in a few weeks called Easter. And we literally celebrate Easter once a month in the church, at this church. First Sunday of every month, it's like we celebrate Easter. Right. So Easter ain't a big day for us because we celebrate it once every month. Right. 
So we don't have to go out and buy Easter clothes. Because right. we celebrate every month. Are y'all listening to me? So we get a chance to really celebrate the real meaning of Easter, which was the dying of the Christ that we might be saved. Not saved from the devil, but saved from the wrath of God. Are y'all listening to me? You see, you see, it's more important that we save from the wrath of God than it is the devil. See, a lot of people think they save from the devil, but in actuality, you're saved from the wrath of God because one day God's going to unleash His wrath on this earth, and all those of us who are saved, right, will be protected from that wrath. Amen. And look, I'm here to tell you, the wrath of God is worse than any old tricks the devil could play. So we commemorate that. But before we remember that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, right now. We stand before your awesome presence. Thank you for what your son Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the outskirts of a city called Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. Your son, as a matter of fact, your only begotten son, your only one, not your baby one, but your only one, you allowed to die on the cross for our sins. Not that he was a sinner, God, but that he was sinless to die for sinful people. It's something that we could not do on our own. So you allowed your son to do it, which in turn really means, through reading your word, that you actually died on the cross for us, which humbles us, which breaks us down to our very core, that you would die for us, that you would give your life, that we might have life. And we thank you for that. God, we thank you for forgiveness today. We celebrate forgiveness today. Because of what your son Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. So we thank you for forgiveness today. God, we thank you for redemption today. You redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. When the world said there was no way, you sent your son as the way. And we thank you for that also. So God, as we take this bread and this cup, we do it with full hearts. Knowing that you did for us. That that we could not do for ourselves. And we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.